It's Saturday, day before the final, and just had a chat with Ali about uh, how she's found being uh, on Wembley Way and at Wembley for these games, volunteering, doing um, everything that you need to do, I suppose, if you're a steward, welcoming people to their seats, being at Wembley. So really, really nice to get an insight of how the atmosphere has been at these England games, because I just think you can't really get a sense of it when you're watching on TV and if you're not willing to pay thousands of pounds for a ticket for some of these games in the latter stages of the tournament, which is ludicrous amounts of money I'm seeing on Twitter. Um, I did manage to go to in Italy, Austria, um, so we talk about that um, and the atmosphere that Italy fans um, and Spain fans for their game and, and England as well have provided. Um, it does sound like um, the vibe has been really, really good. Um, before that, I thought I would just kind of I guess assess and try to try to make make it clear in my own head where I think these two teams are at going into this game. Um, I went back and watched uh, the Italy Spain semi final and some highlights and clips from them, um, and done the same for England. And there's a, a few things that I think jump out. I think the first thing is that Italy are very very unlikely to change their team. Very very unlikely to change the way that they play. They've had and Josh said this when he was on, like the most like organised, structured team throughout the tournament. That's that's going to stay the same. So we can expect that same eleven. Um, obviously, the big change is, is Emerson in at left back, but it's going to be the same eleven. Um, and what that means is that we can think very, very clearly what are the roles going to be for everyone in the game. So probably Stones and Maguire are going to be up against Immobile, it means Carl Walker's going to be after ready to go and kind of drift inside with Insigne when Insigne goes inside. I think he's more than capable of doing that if Emerson's joining in um, and making that a front four, front five, if we count the opposite side as well, um, then Saka's got to be ready to track and I think he's going to do that. Um, or you go wing back so then it's Trippier, but I think Saka's more than more than up for the task of, of tracking Emerson. Um I think it's it's trickier in midfield. It's not impossible, but it's trickier in midfield. Um, Verratti, I think, is just superb. I have I, the first time I seen him play live was with the Italy Austria game, and I was so so impressed with him. Um, I think he's the player who affects the game the most for Italy. Um, I know he hasn't scored. I don't know if he's got an assist, but I feel like he's just constantly involved in everything that's going on. Um, and it's probably on Phillips to try and deal with him. I don't think Phillips is is not capable of doing that. I just think it's going to be a, a lot of work for him, but he's done a lot of work. That's, he covers so much ground, and he's great at um, putting pressure on the ball, so I think that's, that's yeah, that's a, maybe it's not an even match-up, but I think we can be we can be confident that Phillips is going to at least make life very, very difficult for Verratti. Um, Jorginho at the base of the midfield, I think if you want someone to to force him to play quickly and to put pressure on him, like, you know, there's Premier League games that he's played where it doesn't look great when he's under pressure. Um, I think Mason Mount's maybe not tailor-made, but I think he's a really, really good option to do it. Thinking about it more today, it does... It does make sense that we would just keep the same team and have be slightly different roles for everyone in the middle of the pitch, but but yeah, Mason Mount is is definitely capable of doing that on Jorginho. Barella's a tricky one, but I, again, if if it's going to be Barella making those drifting and making those those runs, carrying the ball without the ball, Rice capable of matching up with him. I don't know if we can say England are going to dominate midfield. I imagine that Italy will have more of the ball, but I'm not. Like, I'm just excited to see how those three do against Italy's three. I think it. Um, I think it could be. I think it could be closer than we think in midfield. Basically, it might not be the the game where where England have loads of the ball in the middle of the pitch. But if they work on getting the winning the ball back, moving it into Saka and Sterling, I suppose most likely with Kane moving into into help out in midfield. Um, then I think we've got a, a really, really good chance. And obviously a lot's been made of how Spain played with Dani Olmo 
playing as a, a false nine um, or moving into the middle of the pitch when the ball's in the middle of the pitch. Um, and obviously Kane's been doing that and does it so, so well. Um, so that that is a real, real... I think we might see Kane's best performance tomorrow. Whether England win or not, I don't know. But I think the game is set up for Kane to be able to affect the game in the same way that he does for Spurs, um, which is like be a creative player and then be running into the box to attack the box to to try and to try and finish um and that's really really exciting because he's been good obviously he's hit his stride but i don't think we've seen his best performance um so i'm i'm excited about i'm excited about that um i think yeah obviously a lot's been been made of emerson coming in that probably i mean it's just it's, it's to think that he's the Italy left back when he's barely played for Chelsea is is definitely something. Down that left hand side, I feel like Walker has has kind of shown us enough to think that we can be confident with with him on Insignia. Chiesa obviously going to be going to be a problem. The way they counter attacked for his goal against Spain was really really impressive. Um, I do think that those those counter attacks that start with a keeper just rolling the ball out to to like one of the best midfielders like in that game it was Verratti it reminded me of when Belgium went on that break and scored at the World Cup in 2018 I can't remember who it was against but they were 2-0 down they brought it back to 2-2 and to win 3-2 Courtois rolls it to De Bruyne and De Bruyne just carries the ball all the way up the pitch feeds it wide Lukaku makes a run and then I think Chadley arrives for a tap in not quite the same goal in the Italy game but just like get the ball to your best most creative player um, and have the ball under control to to go um, so that's going to be going to be tricky. I like Sterling against Di Lorenzo. I think that's advantage England there, um, and he's just been so good that anyone he's up against, I think he's probably thinking, I've I've got an advantage here. Um, so yeah, we can we can be excited. I think we have to be excited and we have to feel confident in the players that have performed really really well. Um, and we have a chance to win the Euros with a squad who are really, really young. Obviously, there's 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 players who are in their primes. Henderson, I suppose, is the obvious example. I've seen a lot of stuff that says, you know, you want someone with big game experience, someone who's won major finals um, on the pitch. I completely get that. I think there's a case for Henderson. Um, I said after the Denmark one, I think Rice has to play. So if Henderson's going to play, it's going to be Phillips or Mount. Um, if it's going to be a back three, then Trippier plays instead of Saka or Mount. Um, but I do thinking about it more today, the 3v3 in midfield with Kane moving towards the ball um, in a way that Immobile isn't going to do, in a way that Bonucci and Chiellini can't they don't step forward and help out in midfield. Insignia can roll in, obviously, and Chiesa can move in. But we've got fullbacks who who can who can track those movements and and really really uh, at least n attempt to nullify them in a way that even Austria did in in that game that I went to. There were real real stretches where Austria were on top, and if they'd had better attacking players, um, I think they really could have. Well, they could have scored and could have won the game. I I looked up the stats from the Italy Australia and on the UEFA website, and I I thought that Verratti had had a good game. He had ninety six percent pass completion, sixty six outs for sixty nine. Obviously, Pedri hundred percent pass completion against Italy in the semi final, unbelievable through ninety minutes and then extra time. Um, I think he missed two passes, so ended with ninety seven. But Verratti just calmly sixty six out of sixty nine passes, like it was nothing. Um, very very impressed. With him, the other thing from the Austria game that I thought was uh, that I thought was interesting. Well, sorry, no, not from the Austria game, from the Italy-Spain game. Uh, number of times that Italy players dribbled into the area uh, in the whole game was three. Um, Spain players dribbled into the area four times. If you contrast that with England against Denmark. England had 22 dribbles into the penalty area. Um, 
which is just, I mean, it's unbelievable. So that's Sterling and, and Saka, I think, predominantly. And maybe we see a bit more, maybe we see Mount doing that in, in this game, running off Jorginho. So definitely a look look out for that, I suppose, in terms of how England are going to try and be um, effective and, and, and how the two teams are going to be different in terms of creating chances, which is um, which is an exciting thing to look out for. Um, Carl Walker's pass completion, by the way, in the... Denmark game, 92%, 79 out of 86. And I was down on his passing, but pretty good. Pretty good. Um, yeah, that's it. This is, uh, yeah, great chat with Ali. Ali, thanks so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Everyone, just enjoy the game. Be with people you love. Get ready for the starting lineup. We might throw Sancho in. He might start Grealish. It could all change and... We've just got to be got to be ready for all of it. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah cut to the cut to the chat with Ali and I'll debrief the final after it's done. I don't know if you can we technically say you're a reporter like you're at Wembley on these match days? No, we can't. Yeah, I mean not not really. Like I'm not I haven't got any media accreditation. Put it that way. <laughs> okay. A volunteer. Uh, Alison Speechley is at every England game plus some others. So literally every match that has taken place at Wembley during okay. Euro 2020, I've been at all the Wembley games. Not in the stadium, unfortunately, but um, but at the stadium, yeah. Yeah, and they've kind of, so it started off smaller numbers of fans and then they've kind of ramped it up as we've gone through, right? Yeah, so it's got more and more. So it started off at about 22,500 um, for the sort of group stage games. And then I think... I think when it went to the quarters, it, it went up again. And then the semis were just something else. Like that just, that felt like a lot of people. Um, and I think it was around, it's, it's just over 60,000 that were there um, for England, Denmark. Yeah. What would you say has been the best atmosphere so far in terms of arriving on Wembley Way? So, um England Scotland was interesting like that was probably the first game where we were like we're at a major tournament I actually I've actually really enjoyed the Italian fans yeah. the Italian fans have been have been great in terms of their energy and their costumes and their face paint and they've really been out in force I remember I think it was Italy Austria uh, I think that one was the one that Wembley hosted as well that, that didn't involve England, obviously. Um, that was the first game they did that didn't involve England. And that was a really, like, it just felt really friendly. <laughs> it felt really, really nice atmosphere. Um, England-Germany was was tasty. Like, that mm -hmm. was... I was just really thankful that England, I mean, obviously I was thankful that England won for a lot of reasons, but in terms of volunteering at the event and, and then having to get the fans out of the stadium and into the stations, I was just so thankful that England had won because that many people angry would have been like horrific. God. So, uh, <laughs> so you yeah, imagine being, that. you're like so devastated at England and you've missed the final yeah. Metline train. Like, <laughs> I, do, I think I'd have just said, like, police can handle egress. We're not, like, we're going to stand down. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, like, in fairness, all the, like, it's a major tournament, isn't it? And and also, like, people have said a lot because of what's happened over the last 18 months, like, it, it's been an opportunity for people to come together for the first time, like, on that scale. So I think there's, there's always a party atmosphere. Like, even when it's been raining, like, some of the shifts, we've got absolutely soaked. But it is just the fans bring the energy and um, it's been fun every single time. The, the, um, the Spain-Italy semi-final as well was was really good. Like two, two brilliant sets of fans um, for that. And even like when it was over, um, the Spanish fans were in such good spirits. Like they'd just gone out of the tournament, but they were still... There was no fighting. There was, no, you know, there was no nastiness. It was just they were all working their way back to the station, um, mixed. And I think that, as an England fan, it's just like it just seems bewildering that you would have like mixed fans in a stadium. Yeah. Like you'd have Italian fans sitting right next to Spanish fans and stuff. Um, but they did, and it worked, and it was fine. Um, yeah. 
So obviously I don't think they do that with England fans. Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of get away with it when it's the others. Yeah, I went to Italy, Austria, and it was like, what, 75% Italy fans? Like, it felt like a home game for Italy. Like, all the way up Wembley Way and in the stadium. I think there is quite a strong Italian, like, contingent in London um, in particular. So... So I think they they will, even despite, you know, um, COVID and travel restrictions and quarantining and stuff like that, I, I still think they'll definitely be out in force tomorrow. Um, and I think uh, there's this special deal with like UEFA where fans are allowed to travel. I know there's been a bit of like, oh, England have had it easy in inverted commas because it's it's kind of been a home tournament for them. And like, you know, they've played so many of their games um like all but one isn't it I think all but one of their games at Wembley and now they've got the final at Wembley and they won't have had to do the traveling and blah 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 but um but I think fan wise Italy will definitely feel and hear their fans yeah who's been like your favorite person you've like bumped into at the game are there like any any famous celebs that you've been like oh hi (laughs) so there was um well, I can't remember what game it was, but Crepton Conan came, <laughs> came to one of the games. And I was like, I was actually doing entrance one, which is the main, you know, the steps that lead up to the to the stadium. And that was kind of my um, volunteer point for that day. So that's where my team was. And I just, and I, they had, because they had a few people around them and there was a guy filming and then they, and they were playing music out of something. It was really weird because you couldn't see what they were playing music out of. It was <laughs> loud. And I looked over and I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone I was with was a bit like, who? And I was like, crazy. <laughs> So I went over because because it was it was at that point where they hadn't really been spotted properly. They just had like their crew around them. So I just went over and I was like, can I get a photo? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we did this photo. And obviously, because I was volunteering, like I had to keep my mask on and like be kind of professional. Um, because I'm in my like UEFA uniform. Right. But um, but I was buzzing after that. I was just like, because I just found that really exciting. Um, but there have been like quite a few people coming through but they te- to, to be honest the real the real 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 vips you don't see because they just get escorted like right up to their sort of door and then they get ushered in and then and then they're in and then and then you just sort of see like david beckham in his seat do you Is know that, what i yeah. mean like the, so if you're he, working, yeah it, he's not getting the yeah. jubilee line yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, he's not coming along Wembley Way um, or Olympic Way, as it's actually called. Everyone's called it Wembley Way. Um, but he, um, if you are working at the VIP entrance, that's where you'll see potentially people like that. But I, I haven't done a shift there. So I've just been, um, I've been really lucky, actually, with my, my sort of positions. I've, I've mostly been sort of around um, Olympic Way. So... It's the atmosphere is just buzzing. The only thing that's happened at any point that I was just like, oh my gosh, uh, was they England fans will just like properly put their laces through a size five football, like into the crowd, like just like up into the sky and then it drops down and then they just do this way, way, way. And then like, if someone doesn't kick it, they all boo. And then like, but, and it's all, it's all great. But then I get flashbacks at the time I was coaching once at Spurs and um, it was just before the session and a couple of girls had got there early and one of them had brought a football with them and it was rock solid. I was just like, what have you done to this ball? Like it's over pumped. And they were just booing it up in the air. And basically at one point it just fell down like onto my glasses, onto the bridge of my nose. And and did actually break my nose, but not oh like, God. but not like shockingly. So I didn't actually realise I'd broken my nose. I was just like, ow, that really hurt. Um, and then the next day, I just felt a bit concussed. And then a week later, I was like, oh, my nose is a bit crunchy. <laughs> and then I realised that I, I had actually slightly broken it. But because of that, anytime there's a ball in the air, I'm yeah. just like, oh my God, breaking my glasses. Like I was just taking my glasses off. Every time they start kicking the football, I take my glasses off. I'm like, Why are they doing that with a, 
But yeah, why are they doing that with a proper ball and not like an inflatable beach ball or like a soft one or something? I don't know, but like, Josh, when I tell you they put their laces through it, I mean they put their laces through it. Like Idiots. they properly leather it. And I'm just like, uh. But, um, but yeah, so that's the, that's the only thing that's happened. I mean, there are a lot of drunk men. Like you can't yeah. escape that. It is It is part and parcel, unfortunately, of... British culture and British football culture specifically. Um, most of it is really good natured and it's actually quite fun, but there is always those few idiots. Um, yeah. Just sort of move away from them, to be honest. I mean, that's yeah, that, life, right? <laughs> yeah. If you see an idiot in life, you move away from them. If there are drunk men leathering footballs up in the air, hold onto your glasses and take cover life lessons is that guy that guy who uh stands like spreading the word of god is he there for every oh, how funny is he so he is he's like a wembley fixture like he, he used to be at spurs as well i've seen yeah, him at spurs at the emirates that's what i mean he is like he is a football fixture isn't he um in and of himself and but they took that one step further. I think it was the Germany game where it was absolutely chucking it down with rain. Like everyone was soaked. And they took it one step further and they had an actual massive wooden cross. Um, <laughs> they were carrying it. And I was all, again, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm too risk averse. I'm not sure. But all I could think was, God, if one of, oh God, funnily enough, if one of these. <laughs> If one of these drunk fans decides to like overpower him, which they mm. could do, they're a mob quite easily. Um, and that cross then becomes a weapon, like really quickly. It just gets, and obviously, you know, there it's a, it's a it's a heavily policed event. You know, it's not like there's always someone looking out for you, and and yeah. they're going to get on top of that quite quickly. Yeah. But I was just watching this guy, this wooden cross, thinking, why would you do that to yourself? Like, what what are you thinking? Me and my dad, whenever we would see him, we'd, uh, I, maybe it's, it's not nice of us. We used to watch him for ages. We'd just sit and watch him just for like 10, I mean, 15 he's minutes. He's, he's, committed, he's, he's such a distinctive, like, Jesus Christ will take you for a saviour for your sins, for you have sinned and he will redeem you. Yeah. Your Lord Jesus Christ. That is very like, ah, da, 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 da. Um, yeah. He's got yeah. a chance. I'm glad I'm glad he's still going strong. Um, what uh, what do you do then when you're doing an England game and you're not in the ground and you hear everyone go crazy? So it is it is goosebumps like it is. You do because the thing is as well, because as much as I've said, oh, you know, Italy will be out in force, blah, blah, blah. Because it's so loud, you know, it must be good for England. Like, you know, it must have been something for England. Uh, so you do get goosebumps. Like, I remember, what was the... I think it must have been the first game against Croatia because that fixture, I was actually only scheduled to to work up until um, kick-off, I think, or or something like that because you don't, you don't necessarily do the whole whole of it. But I can't remember. So whenever, whenever Sterling scored, I was walking towards Wembley Park Station and I just took like behind me I just felt because that's the thing you don't just hear it you feel it because it's almost like all of a sudden there's electricity in the air so I just heard and felt like all this energy come out of the stadium I was like oh my gosh like it's kind of bittersweet because it's amazing to be able to kind of feel that atmosphere but then you're like I was so close to it and I can't actually see it um so it is a little bit frustrating but to me, I just want England to win. So I'd I'd happily stand outside in the rain if it meant England won. Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, that's fine as long as they win. Yeah. Was that was what was the like the moment where you like felt the electricity the most? One of these for one of the goals in one of these games. Um, that's a good question. It's probably for for the pure feel, like the sort of uninterrupted feeling it probably was that that sterling goal um because that's the, the, only one, time, the first one yeah because that's the only time i've actually heard it 
because other times depending on where you are if you're like round in a volunteer center that's sort of partly underground or whatever like that you you, you don't actually hear it um and also the only other time i've heard it is that harry kane penalty but it was so like <laughs> disrupted because obviously he, he missed it and then got the rebound it wasn't a pure sort of surge if, if that makes sense um, and equally, because I was so confused, because I was at Wembley Park Station by that point, and I was just trying to check this app, and I could hear the station, like the stadium, going nuts, but the app said missed penalty. So I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, I was like, first of all, Harry Kane doesn't miss penalties, so why is the app lying to me? Like, what is happening? <laughs> but then I was just like, what? And then it came up like goal scored. And, I, and that's when I start. I was just jumping around like on the by the ticket barriers. <laughs> yeah. I, I was that person. Yeah, I think the the most like I've, so I watched the Croatia game. I watched with a group of friends at my friend's house. That was like five of us. Fairly low key, really fun, but fairly low key. Uh, Scotland went to the pub. Dreadful game. Very little to cheer about, but at least it was like a nice five of people. Um, Czech Republic game. Uh, I think I watched with my dad. And then Germany, I was at Lyme Regis Football Club, this like little football club on the coast outside, like they put a big screen up. It was great. I was there with Luce and sitting with, we were just with randomers. And I think that when Kane scored the header in that game, that was the moment, that was the moment I've gone most crazy so far, I think, because yeah. I was like, this goal has won us the game and we're going through. Um, so with the, yeah. with the, um, with the Germany game, the Germany one was funny because uh, so obviously that's the first goal that he that Kane scored in the tournament, wasn't it? And so I'd been getting a, a bit of stick from some of the other volunteers because everyone, like even even if you've only met me at this tournament because we're volunteering <laughs> together, if you know me, you know I love Harry Kane. Like you just that's you just know that. And so I'd been getting a bit of stick from some of the other team leaders being like, oh, he hasn't even scored. And I was just like, look, trust the process. Like, he will come through. It's not, it's not even a question. Because also as a Spurs fan and someone that's watched how he came play, like, quite closely, we know that, you know, he's, at his, he's actually at his most dangerous when he's had a little bit of a goal drought because then he's just, like, ruthless and he will just keep... He's like a shark, isn't he? He will keep swimming around and then when he finds it, it's just game over. So so when that goal went in, we were actually watching it on a screen in in the, like, bistro where, where we'd been having our meal on our break and... I just started jumping around this, like we were just watching it on, like a, a not a very big screen, but on a projector. And I was just jumping around all over the place. And I was like, Harry Kane, I told you, see, I told you. And everyone was like, oh my gosh. Cause they, they were like, yeah, it's true. Actually he has, he's done it. Um, but yeah, so that was a really good energy, but I couldn't, I couldn't hear the stadium. Yeah. That is crazy that you're so close to it and you and you can't hear it. It's funny with Kane, isn't it? Because there's so I feel like there's so many there's obviously so many people who are not Spurs fans and like their instinct is to slag him off as soon and if it's not going well. And then as soon as he's playing well, it's like England captain. Yeah, he's the England yeah. captain. And even in the game against Denmark, there those times where he gets fouled and like he just has the ball, bit of pressure, bit of contact, bam, hits the floor. As soon as he's doing it for England, everyone's like Oh, brilliant hold up play so streetwise yes. game management when he's done it for Spurs it's like you cheat how dare you it's like guys yeah. he's been doing this all year it's the same thing and it's all and sorry I don't care what you say it is always intelligent play it's never not intelligent play it's just when he does it against you in the Premier League it's going to piss you yeah. off and I understand that but I think at no point as an England fan ever but especially during this particular tournament, feeling so close to it because I'm volunteering at it, at no point have I ever looked at any of those players and thought of their clubs. They're just, to me, they're lions right now. Like, they're not they're, they're not anything else. And it's like Sacco. Like, I think he's amazing. I think he's, yeah, he's brilliant. So I was on the train on the way home from um, the Denmark game, and there were these guys... Um, obviously a bit drunk or whatever but they were like doing their chants and stuff and one of them was like oh Harry Kane though like honestly I do just find it really hard to cheer him on and I just thought you're an idiot like he's gonna he, he's gonna lift 
the trophy <laughs> he's gonna lift the trophy for you like you gotta cheer him on man it's not it's not about Arsenal Spurs right now it's really not um and I think that like those fans that think like that like that's a mindset issue for me and I'm just like okay you sit over there because yeah <laughs> I'm not interested <laughs> It's definitely. It definitely seems like this. Like this. This group of England players. This like cohort, the Southgate era, whatever, however you want to frame it. Like that is no longer a thing in the way that it used to be. All those stories about the Chelsea players sit on this table, United players sit here. Like the group isn't isn't like that, and that's so good. Um, and it's just it's so fun to have a young team that have a chance to win things. Like how fun is that? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think what people need to remember with a lot of these players is that like they have come through that England pathway together. Ultimately, they're all there to achieve the same thing for their country, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, massively. It is, who's, who, have you, who are you most happy for? Who are you most happy for? Because for me, it's Saka. It, yeah, like he's, he's great. And I, love, I just love his little face. Like he's just mm. always pure joy. Um, I do think like Sterling, it, I feel like it's been Sterling's tournament and yeah. Sterling's a funny one for me because he's frustrated me as a player like for quite a while. Like I've actually been annoyed watching him play on quite a few occasions where I'm just like constantly running into cul-de-sacs. Like what, like, what are you doing? Make a decision. But, and, you know, to be honest, there has been times when he's done that during this tournament as well. Like, there was, I can't remember, I don't know if it was, I don't know which game it was. They're all a bit of a blur to me because I have to watch them afterwards on, on like, iPlayer or whatever. But there was one of the games where he could have, he could have just played it out wide to Trippier, who'd made the run. And he decided to dribble into, like, four play, like four opposition players. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, just, like, yes. Like, there are times when, actually, if you drive at those players, like, you could win a penalty or stuff like that. But I, I do I do still think sometimes his decision-making, I'm like, mm, it's questionable. But he still has had an amazing tournament. And um, I think especially, like, it, it does... There does He's got nothing to be redeemed for, but it, it, it does feel like there's some sort of redemption tale here in terms of the British media... Um, and how they portray him and how they portray black players in general. And I do just think it is a great kind of F you to all of that. To like, yeah, I've gone out here as a black man and I've absolutely bossed this tournament and I've got us to the final and you have to celebrate me on your front and back pages. Like, and we'll still see Harry Kane all the time. And that's not Harry Kane's fault. Do you know what I mean? And I also think that it kind of, He's Sterling's so good that he can be like not not have his best season for Man City. They still win the league, and it's still like, does he deserve to start for England? And then first tournament scores the goal, and now he's been our best player, and that's like that's just how good he is now. Yeah, and I think, but I think that that says a lot about Gareth Southgate as well, and the culture that him and his team have created, and. I think that, to me, that's what sort of sets Gareth apart. It, like, there's, I think there's quite a few things that set him apart from other England managers, but I think one of them is that he's he's clearly got a vision and a plan, and he's he's not afraid to stick to it. And he's, you know, he'll release his starting lineup, and then all of Twitter suddenly uh, become qualified football coaches that have managed Myself at the included. highest level. Meltdown. Do you know what I mean? And everyone's pulling it apart, and then you, and he's got he's. By hook or by crook, we are in the final. And actually, I think he's managed it really well. And I don't think it is an accident. And I don't think we have sort of got away with it. I think, yes, we got an easier side of the draw, for sure. But then, like, sometimes that's that's what you need in tournament football. Yeah, it's not a league campaign. You don't have to play France twice, Italy twice, Belgium twice. It's, <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you supposed to do? Forfeit the game because we didn't draw France. Um, yeah, completely. Yeah. Completely. Um, and we did beat yeah. Germany. And yeah. even if that... Because then other people are like, yeah, but it wasn't a strong Germany team. And I'm like... Why, well, why, why do fans do that? Why, why, why aren't we just pleased? Why is it? Yeah. Why do we want it to be... It's like we want it to... We want to be in a group with... France, Italy, Belgium, and then we want to play Germany, who've just won the World Cup, 
and then like, I don't know, 1980 Brazil and then 1986 Argentina and then Man City, who just won <laughs> three out of four leagues. Uh, yeah, it is you know odd. Think, you know what I honestly think it is, Josh? I honestly think a lot of people find joy uncomfortable. It might be a bit deep, but I honestly think a lot of people okay. are more, they understand sort of misery and defeat and heartache. Like they know where to sit with that. They know how that feels. They know how they'll get over that. When you're so close to victory, it's like, oh, it gets a bit nervy now, doesn't it? It gets a bit uncomfortable that we might actually do it. Um, but yeah, fortunately, you know, Gareth and his staff have set up an environment where the players can block all of that noise out and they can just focus on their task and enjoy it as well. Like, I think that's the other thing. You know, when they were kicking that ball around for like three minutes the other night, like they're having fun. They're enjoying their football and so they should. Um, so, yeah, you know me. I'm, I'm all about the positivity anyway. So I'm loving it. I'm like, yeah, yeah let's yeah. go with it. And you were working the Italy Spain game. Did you have a, have you had a chance to watch that back? Um, so I watched, I've seen like a bit of the highlights. Like that looked like a tasty picture. That who uh, who scored their who scored Italy's opening goal? Because that was oh uh, Chiesa, I think. Yeah, Chiesa. That that goal was tasty, wasn't it? Um, and I think I think he will cause England problems, no doubt. Like tomorrow, that will be a player to watch. Um, I think you know they did that because so that one went to penalties, didn't it? And I think that, and I think to be honest, for that fixture, that was probably about right because like Italy, Spain, you know, two two decent teams. So it kind of made sense that it it got settled that way. Um, but some of the I, I heard some crazy stat about penalties. So obviously not penalty shootouts, but like penalties in, in normal time. That like I think less than half of them have been actually been converted in this tournament. Wow. Seems like been, yeah, there's, apparently there's been loads of like missed or saved penalties. But yeah, the, the Italy Spain game was was always gonna be kind of like a, this, the, it, on paper, that's a tasty fixture, isn't it? And I and I feel like it did. It didn't disappoint. Um, there was a great atmosphere at Wembley for that. Like I said, with the two sets of fans, um, they really kind of brought the noise. Um, but I think, yeah, I think for Italy, like it will. It the other the other thing that's weird about volunteering as well is that I'm I'm kind of not as nervous because I'm not that's not my whole like it is once the game starts if I can see it on a screen like I'm totally focused on it but because also by that point I'm pretty tired as well it's not like I don't feel as nervous whereas the only fixture that I've been able to actually watch at home in full was it must have been was it Ukraine it must have been that game um and then obviously because we dominated that so much it was like that was actually really enjoyable so it wasn't really that nerve-wracking um so that's been weird about this tournament I haven't been too nervous but tomorrow will be nervy because it's there's you know this is it now this is the ultimate prize um and I think Italy you know they've done they've done really well I think Mancini's done over this process to get to this point I swear I read somewhere that he's he's given about like 30 odd debuts. Really? Which sounds crazy. It's a lot. So I don't know if that's right or not. But like they've they kind of have started from scratch a little bit, haven't they? Um so it, it is a fairy tale for them as well. And I think sometimes in England we get caught up thinking that we're the only one with a history. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, you know that we're yeah. the only one that's got something it means more it's that whole it means more thing and it's like well no actually this this is an amazing fairy tale for Italy as well and and they would love nothing more than, than to win it at Wembley and and take it and take it back home um yeah. I thought that was what was so good about the Casper Schmeichel's interview when he was just like have you have you like we actually won it in 92 and you guys won it and I was like Oh shit! Yeah, no, no, we haven't. No, we haven't actually won it. No, that's true. And I was thinking as well, if we were to lose to, like, say, even not even Denmark, if we say we'd gone out to Germany, 
just like obviously the, the tournament still carries on they don't just like oh no guys england are out so we'll just we'll just stop it when it feels like maybe you should like as long as we're in it we can play but if we're out maybe we shouldn't play and that's always what like when when obviously so obviously for this tournament there's been multiple host nations technically but because Wembley um was selected to host the semi-finals and the final it, it feels like it's been a London tournament but technically it wasn't it was hosted across Europe but I think um one of the one of the kind of things around when you do when all the eyes turn to to that stadium as they have done with Wembley is that it's 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 so good for the tournament that England have got to the final because it just helps maintain that interest and, and generate that atmosphere um but especially because of issues with travel and stuff because of covid so the fact that that stadium will be like yes it's not at capacity because we're not allowed to be at capacity but the number of people that are allowed in will be there tomorrow because obviously loads of them are going to be england fans and they're already here so i think it's been really good for the tournament as well that england have have made it through yeah i take exception with some of the pundits who were saying things like this was the best atmosphere at the new Wembley. I'm like, guys, I was there when Spurs beat Real Madrid 3-1 and it was fucking <laughs> unbelievable. Make sure you clarify, England game. It was an England game. For an best atmosphere at an England game. Yeah. When Ericsson scored against Man U after 12 seconds, it, it can't have been better than that because I was there and that was ridiculous. <laughs> Get a clarity, so please. Like, excuse me, other people have played at Wembley. <laughs> But yeah, um, but I think, yeah, because it's the first time, obviously, as well, in 18 months that that Wembley has seen crowds like that. Um, it is. And also, like, as as someone like all the rest of us who's who's gone through those various phases of lockdown and, and in and out and being able to see people and then not being able to see people. Um, it was quite overwhelming at first to be, even though you're outdoors so like I never felt unsafe but it did feel quite overwhelming at first to have that many people around, like so close to you um like sort of moving past you and you know there literally hasn't been a time like that in the last year and a half where you've been that with that many people yeah. it never happened yeah so I think that was something as well that as as volunteers we were sort of like we were prepared for in the sense that we tried to think about how it would feel, but you can't really prepare yourself for it until you're, you're surrounded by them and you're like, oh. But like I say, in the most part, because the fans have been so good, um, it, it's felt amazing. It's felt, it's felt really nice to be a part of it. And it's felt like it did in 2012, like for anyone that volunteered at the Olympics or the Paralympic Games, like just to be a part of it. And because I've had like, um random people in the public will sort of come and ask you and be like and they'll be like oh you're getting paid for this which is a bit of a weird thing to like ask someone who's working at an event but anyway oh and I'm like no we're all like anyone that you see that's dressed like this we're all unpaid volunteers and they're like why would you do that then and for me I'm like well if you're asking that question I can't explain it to you because <laughs> I think it's obvious why why you would want to be involved um in in events like that but um yeah it's been great and and you meet obviously you meet loads of different people and what's really funny is when you're in the bistro and they because they've started to screen the games for us now um is that some people who are volunteering at this event genuinely have no interest in football at all <laughs> so you've got most of us like looking at this screen like willing England on with everything we've got but you do have the odd person that's like sat towards the back was just like eating their dinner like reading something or whatever and you're like what that's mental yeah. but um yeah and it, but that's a very powerful reminder that whilst this is everything to us right now there are also lots and lots of people who could not care less <laughs> yeah it is funny I, I there's there's regularly times particularly if like the team I support is doing well ha happens less with Spurs obviously but no there's times like where straight after a game you're like if I didn't like football what, what is this just what do I do now like if I wasn't watching England tomorrow would I just I just have a normal Sunday what day is it today's Sunday and it, it like I can't imagine ever getting to the point where it just wouldn't cross my mind that there's the final of the Euros but there are so many people yeah. who are like that 
But also how, what always slightly disturbs me is how much it affects me emotionally. Like, you know, cause if we, if we win tomorrow, that, that's it, mate. That's your summer made, isn't it? Like that's the rest yeah. of the year. Like you're buzzing, you're leaving off everything there is to read about it. If we lose, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to look at it. Yeah, I think I'm, this is probably the tournament of, I think 2018, 2018 penalty shootout against Colombia. That was probably like the, in terms of the moment, like Eric Dyer scores and just like explosion jubilation. Then semi uh, court final of Sweden is a bit more controlled. Going out against Croatia, I was with I was with quite a few. It's mad to think pre-COVID, I was with like three hundred people inside at some event. Um, and as soon as the full-time whistle went and England had lost, one of my friends just started crying. And I thought that was so funny that I just burst out laughing. And all of a sudden, I was like basically over it, which was really weird. Like if they hadn't started crying, I probably wouldn't have been like that. And I feel like <laughs> even three like three years later, I don't. Like if we lose tomorrow, I'll still be so excited at like the prospect of England being really good at the next World Cup. Um, and yeah, I've kind of got to that to that point where it's just it's fun to support a team that has a chance of winning. And that's like my big takeaway. We've exceeded expectations. I didn't think England were going to get to the final and we have. So yeah. sit like whatever happens tomorrow is going to be great. I I think yeah, and I think that's a really that's a really healthy and positive way to look at it. And and I think um, I will try my hardest to practice <laughs> that. If Italy win, that's still good for me. But just to be clear, I am 100% like back in the free lines tomorrow. That That is the team I want to win. And also because that party atmosphere afterwards as well, um, like to be in and around Wembley when all the fans come out and everyone's celebrating in the street. And like that, that reminds me of when... So I watched the Spurs Champions League final inside Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, same. And I like that. I know that if we'd have won that, people would have um, gone on the pitch. I know that for a fact. And security wouldn't have stopped them. I also know that for a fact. So we would have done like a kind of pitch invasion, <laughs> which would have been like a bit stupid, but also really fun. And then we'd have just spilled out into the streets and people we, people would have just partied all night, wouldn't they, in Tottenham? And it was like, and I remember when I was walking home, with my brother, like walking back to Seven Sisters with my brother afterwards, I was like, see, this is the bit where I feel a bit deflated because if we'd have won, this now would have been, absolutely amazing so I think that's what I want for tomorrow as well I just want I just want a lovely party atmosphere and the only way to truly guarantee that is if England wins so yeah of course of course I think whatever happens I'm gonna cry probably I will Um, definitely cry if we win I'll definitely cry if we win um but if we lose, I don't think I'll cry. I'll just be, I think you're right though. Like there's so much promise in this group of players and um, they are a joy to watch and a joy to support. And so I think I'll, I'll be like, you know what? They gave it a good go. Like they got to the final. That's amazing. Um, but we didn't come this far to only come this far. So it's true. It's true. Who do you think will start? Do you think it'll be the same team? It's true. I think this is one of the things I like about Southgate as well. Is that I'm not keeps sure. Keeps you guessing, doesn't it? It keeps you on your toes. I love that I'm, I love that I'm not sure um, because why should I know? Like, this is my point about Twitter as well. It's like, guys and girls, <laughs> you don't have the info at your disposal. Like, the amount of insight and information that Gareth and his team have got in front of them must just be like overwhelming and they're basing it all on that and and actually where did I hear it I heard it I don't know if I heard it or read it but about how it's not just oh that was it I was listening to um his podcast that he did with um what's his face sorry forgetting your name yeah on the high performance podcast who are the players that can actually cope with the media attention and having to do the interactions and like who are the players that are going to be able to deal with everything that comes with playing for England um in a tournament 
and it's like yeah exactly and there's so much that we don't know about these players and their family lives and and everything that might have gone on recently for them um and I think that's the other thing like when he made his selection I know a lot of people had had sort of how could you have left him out how why are you taking him over here and, and, and it's like yeah, well, there will be a reason there will probably be multiple reasons like you don't know so um just trust him um so I don't I don't know who will start but I mean Pickford will start in goal Harry Kane will start up top everything else in between <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a we'll test, see. isn't it yeah we'll see uh yeah I can't wait I'm I'm excited I'm coaching in the morning and then it's my friend's birthday thing and then I've got to make sure that I've just got enough time to get somewhere get settled atmosphere build up crescendo big big kickoff and uh are you watching it with like are you watching it at home are you watching it with people or are you Un- undecided I've got three options and I need to probably figure out today what to do I think I've done I've done the sit at home calmly watch a game I've done the big group at the pub I've done the outdoor beer garden vibe they're all really, really fun. I think it's just, it's just, I'll just decide later on and it's then frozen. stick with it. Oh, no, no. Yeah. No, it's I'll okay. Just, it's just, back now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I'll, I'll just decide tomorrow, stick with it, and then it's just... But then even then, I feel like maybe I need the exact same routine as the semi-final. I need to wear the same <laughs> yeah. thing with the same people. It's so stupid. So people are like, un- I haven't, Some people are like, I haven't washed this shirt since the... <laughs> Croatia game because this is the shirt I've worn the whole tournament and this is the one they've won in um but yeah I I, I mean well obviously I'll be at Wembley we, we have to be in position like so I have to get there five hours before kickoff then my team I have to meet my team four and a half hours before kickoff and then all teams are in position four hours before kickoff so four, four o'clock hours. you're on Olympic way so um so it's a it's a it's a long it's a long old shift but obviously once we've got everyone into the stadium we stand down and then we go into our kind of yeah into the bistro and then we'll all be watching well some of us some of us some people yeah, yeah. probably just go home not bothered yeah um, stick headphones on <laughs> read a book but yeah so I'll be watching it in some like random makeshift it's basically Wembley Arena has been turned into our home um so I'll be watching it in there um, and I'm going to take my England shirt though and change into it when I finish my shift. Nice, that's a good omen. Uh, yeah. All I can all I can say is be- best of luck, Ali. Enjoy the game. <laughs> let's hope for let's hope for an England win. If Kane's a major part of it, then that's even better. Yeah, just want to see him lift a trophy. Bless him. He's got to lift a trophy. <laughs> he has to. He has to. He has to. All right. Um, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it, and uh, yeah, I'll catch up with you after catch up with you after the final. All right. Thanks, Josh. <laughs>